you know last week god god gave a word that there's somebody over here who is uh, facing a shooting back pain a lower back pain uh, i believe one was one was simi uh, and she was instantly healed and the other person was it bobin yes it was bobin so two people who were instantly healed so i i want the reason why i'm telling you this is testimony is a spirit of prophecy every time you hear a testimony it's not like uh, it happened in his life god is doing wonderful things in his life you can catch it the spirit of the lord is something that has to be caught and you can catch it so when a when a prophetic word is released or when a testimony is released you catch it what do you do catch you catch it when you catch the spirit the same testimony happens in your life so when alvin is sharing testimonies he's talking about debt cancellation he's talking about healing he's talking about celebration you know whatever resonates with you whatever is the need of your heart catch it say amen yes let it be done unto me let it be done unto me amen and it begins to work in your life but if you're just going to be like an entertainer and do this we're not here to be entertained i'm saying world cup is going on cricket world cup even when we watch cricket world cup it's like as if you're the coach right you watch that television you're so many miles away from where the match is happening but you watch as if you're the coach and then you're going to give a earful to the player who is not playing because you're so involved you're so engaged get engaged get engaged in god's word and whatever we do you know worship the worship time is not a filler time it's not oh you know we just we just letting people come and then you know once people come we'll start no worship time testimony time declarations communion everything is so uniquely important so engage don't be a dead person engage amen are you alive yes okay engage amen okay i'm excited to share what the lord has are you guys excited yes. yes if you see the old testament you will see many names of god mentioned you see yahweh yahweh elohim el shaddai el roi yahweh nissi give me more yahweh rafa yahweh sedeknu it's a very difficult one um so you will see many names of god that is mentioned in the old testament many names of god have you ever wondered why do we have so many names for the same person why it's because every name holds a unique revelation of god every name in fact every anybody who encountered a unique side of god had a unique revelation and then they came up with this name 
So Abraham, when he is up on the mountain about to sacrifice Isaac, and they see a, a lamb, which is a substitute for Isaac, he, he encountered the revelation of God being the provider. So he, he was like, this is Yahweh Ire, or Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Ire. Yahweh Ire means God who provides, God who sees. So any, anybody in the Old Testament who had a unique revelation of God, they had a unique encounter with the name of God. So Yahweh Ire means God who provides. Yahweh Nisi means God who is a banner. Yahweh Shalom means God who is a peace. El Shaddai means the all-sufficient one. Elohim means almighty, all-powerful. And I'm saying if you do a study on these names, you'll find many names and each name has a unique meaning. They have a unique meaning. Is that right? Now, turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, verse 6. John chapter 17, verse 6. This is Jesus. He's praying to the Father. This is right before he's taken up. He's going to get betrayed. And just before that, he's praying to the Father. And Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people. That's all. That's all I want you to read. What do you say? Jesus is saying, I have manifested your name to the people. Now, my question to you is, there are so many names in the Old Testament. Which name did Jesus manifest? After three and a half years of ministry, he's telling the father, father, the assignment that you gave, I have completed it. I have revealed, I have manifested your name to your people. What is the name that Jesus came to reveal? What is the name? Because if you see, if you see the New Testament, all the accounts of the gospel, you never see Jesus using any Old Testament name of God. You don't see him use Elohim, El Shaddai, El Roi, Yahweh Ire. You don't see Jesus using any Old Testament name of God. So what was the name that Jesus is saying, I have revealed your name to your people. What was the name that Jesus revealed to his people? What was the assignment that Jesus had to reveal the name of God to his people? There was only one name. And that name is Father. Father. The name Father, when we address God as our Father, all the names of the Old Testament are accumulated in this one name. Yahweh Ire, when you call the Father, He becomes your provider. When you call your Father, when, he, when you call Him as your Father, He becomes your peace. As per the need of the hour, Father encapsulates everything. And Jesus said, this 
name I have revealed to your people. I'm telling you guys, this is a very simple but powerful revelation. Some of the powerful revelations are the most simplest revelation. You have the name of God. One name that has all the revelations of all the Old Testament names. And that one name is Father. You cry out to him as Father. He becomes your provider. He becomes your peace. He becomes your salvation. He becomes your deliverance. Whatever the need of the hour is. Just imagine with me. An Old Testament Pharisee. He probably had a list of the names of God. Like a dictionary. A list. So as per the need of the hour, he would have to go through that list. Okay. My need is financial difficulty. Uh, what is the name? What is the name? Oh, Yahweh Ire. Let me call yeah, Yahweh Ire. And then the difficulty changes. It's a relational issue. So he goes back, looks into the list. You and me don't have to go to the list and do that. We just need to call the name Father. Abba Father. It's as simple as that. Abba Father. Hmm. Let's read this verse. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. So now, you have two spirits. One is your spirit and then the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit and your spirit has come in union. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? The role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to remind you that you are God's child you might be thinking you know the role of the Holy Spirit is to just correct me when I'm wrong that is there the Holy Spirit corrects the Holy Spirit rebukes the Holy Spirit encourages but the main job the main purpose why the Holy Spirit is there in your life is to remind you that you belong to the Father Okay, now, when I'm saying all of this, you're thinking, yeah, Father, Father, we say Father, what's the big deal? I'm saying, think about this. If Jesus had to die on the cross for you to receive the Holy Spirit and the main purpose of the Holy Spirit, one agenda that he has, heaven released a memo to the Holy Spirit saying, one agenda you have and that is to remind my children that they are my children. 
main agenda that the Holy Spirit has in your life is to remind you that you are God's children. Just imagine how big, how big heaven thinks that you need to know that you are God's children. We take it lightly. Yeah, yeah we are God's children. It has not become a revelation. It has not become a reality. See the previous verse, verse 15. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. How many of you, when you pray, you pray, Abba, Father, or you pray, Father? You say, Daddy, God, Father. Do you know? You could not have come up to that conclusion by your own understanding. This revelation of seeing God as your father that we take for so granted and that has become such a mechanical thing that we have almost lost the sense of what it means. That revelation has not come to you by your human understanding. It is the Holy Spirit that has brought the revelation into your mind. Do you know that the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you even when you are absolutely unconscious? Absolutely unconscious. So if you are doubtful, hey, if you are doubtful, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit or not. If you are doubtful, of whether having the Holy Spirit, this is one clear sign. If you can call God Father, that's the biggest evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. You may say you, you don't speak in tongues, you can't prophesy, you don't have any gifts of the Spirit, that's all fine, guys. But if you are calling God Father, that's the biggest evidence that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot call God Father. You know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and Jesus said, what, what, what do people think? Who am I? And only Peter said, you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father in heaven has revealed. You see, it's a divine revelation. Knowing that Jesus is the Son of God is a divine revelation. Similarly, knowing God as your Father is a divine revelation. It's a divine revelation. So don't think it as a small thing. It's one, <laughs> it's one, such a big master key of your life that can open doors and open destinies. Just the name Father, just calling the name Father. Do you know what's the shortest prayer that you can pray? Just calling his name, Father. When, when you don't have the strength in you to pray, when you don't have the fortitude or the right words to pray, just calling his name is the most effective prayer that you can pray. Just say, Father, Father. Because he can understand the anguish that you're going through. Do you think your father needs properly expressed, polite prayers? Only then he will come and help you. He'll deliver you. 
All he requires is you reaching out to him. Anybody who calls unto him, they shall be saved. But it has to come from a genuine, authentic heart that, Father, I need help. You know, when, when we were kids, our mothers understood our cry, what we were crying for. Our mothers understood even when we couldn't explain. They understood. Or oh, the child is crying for food. The child wants water now. The child wants milk now. The mothers could understand how much more your heavenly father can understand the anguish that you're going through. The reason why your prayers are not getting answered is not because of lack of eloquence. Oh, our gracious heavenly father, the creator of the whole cosmos. It's not your eloquence. It's whom you call. You call him Abba, Papa, Father. With that authentic, genuine cry that comes from your heart, your father will come and reach out to you. That's the most effective prayer that you can pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, good. That was my introduction. The thing is, the topic that I have is a bit dangerous topic. You know what I mean, dangerous? If you give a gun to a child, it's dangerous. The child can probably shoot his legs off. It's dangerous. But at the same time, a gun in, a, in the hand of a skillful warrior becomes the powerful weapon. Amen? I've waited for this time, and I'm still hesitating to teach this. But I believe it's the right time. Amen? Are you guys with me? So, the foundation of this revelation that I'm going to teach you, the foundation is knowing God as your Father. That's the foundation. And the second thing I want you to understand is the finished work of Jesus. So, one, knowing God as your Father. Finished work of Jesus. What do you mean by finished work of Jesus? That Jesus on the cross has finished it all. He said, it is finished. What is finished? Whatever that I needed to do, Jesus did on the cross. It is finished. It is taken care of. It is finished. It is done. And because Jesus finished his work, now I have the Holy Spirit in me that keeps reminding me that I am God's child. Right? Now, 2012. Let's go back to 2012. I always go back to 2012. Because 2012 is the year when I had the revelation of God being my father, the finished work of Christ, and the Holy Spirit that is in me that reminds me that I am God's child. And it changed everything for me. Because before 2012, before that encounter, I used to be a very timid person, fearful person, anxiety, insecurity, lacked confidence, couldn't look people in the eye and speak. 
And I, I was, I made peace with it. Do you know when you struggle with something and you eventually make peace with it? And especially if you look at the internet, everybody has stuff to say. You're an introvert, so okay, I'm an introvert. So it's a big thing. Now I have a label for that. I made peace with that. I'm an introvert. I don't talk to people. I can't interact. I can't deal with social interaction, which is absolutely fine. So I made peace with being an introvert. Now, the problem is not being an introvert, guys. I know most of you are introverts. So when this is a church of introverts. Uh, the problem is not being an introvert. The problem is entertaining that fear and saying it's okay. It's okay. The problem is that. So I entertained fear for a very long time. 22 years of my life, I entertained fear. I think it was 24. 24 years of my life, I entertained fear and had no confidence. And this one revelation completely delivered me from my fear. Okay? So you want to know what's the revelation? Read Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all, not some, how many? All, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Does it say for all who are forced by the Spirit of God? It's led. There's a difference between forced and led. Forced is somebody is putting an external effect on you to do, for you to do something that you don't want to do. Led is somebody is inviting you and you have to accept that invitation to follow. So the Bible says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Sons are led. Slaves are forced. Sons are led, slaves are forced. For you to understand, I have to tell you a story that I've repeated maybe a hundred times here. The story is about a prince who, born, who is born in a palace. And because this prince is born in a palace, he is born to a king, he's automatically a prince. He does not need to do anything. Just by being born in the royal family, he is a prince. But what happens is, two years later, when he's two years old, this prince gets kidnapped by the king's enemy. And he gets kidnapped and this enemy, he keeps the baby outside a beggar's house. Now, in the morning when the beggar sees the baby, he starts nurturing him, caring for him. And the baby starts growing in the beggar's house. For 20 years, for the next 20 years, this baby is in the house of the beggar. And the be beggar starts teaching him his craft. Do you know what is his craft? What's his skill? His skill is beg. So the beggar was the most professional beggar. He used to sit outside the temple and he used to beg. And he taught this child to beg. For the next 20 years, he learns to beg and he becomes the best at begging. 
and the father and the child they have like monthly targets to reach weekly targets to reach and they are the best doing that now in the meanwhile the king had an older son and this older son kept looking for his younger brother kept looking for his younger brother he spent 20 years looking for his younger brother and finally found him outside the temple and when he found him outside the temple he embraced him restored him back to the palace are you following the story okay now the prince the young prince he's back in the family is back in the family so the father is so excited so happy the father says hey you know what i'll give you a portion of my kingdom for you to rule that's your throne you sit there and you rule whatever you say your people will obey now this guy this is the first time in the palace he was born there but you understand his major part of childhood in adulthood was outside the temple begging the next day when the father comes to see his son i want to see my son how well he is doing how well he is ruling you know how his kingdom is doing how his subjects are doing when he comes he walks into the courtyards and in, in the courts what does he see the son is sitting on the throne but he is doing what begging who sits on the throne and begs i'll tell you a beggar <laughs> is is he a prince was he born to be a prince but why is he begging was his authority restored was his power restored was he restored to the family but why is he sitting on the throne and begging because even though everything has been restored his mind has only been trained for begging this mind needs to learn what it means to be a prince for 20 years he's been educated to be the best beggar now he has to unlearn his begging skills and learn what he truly is he is the prince are you getting the story the story is if if you if if, if it wasn't that obvious let me just say the story is king is god the father and the older son is jesus you and me are the prince we have been restored we didn't come back to the prince come back to the palace ourselves we were we've been restored by jesus and god gave us a throne to sit but the thing is sadly most of us are sitting on that throne and begging why because that's all that we know that's all that we know you have received the spirit of sonship anybody who has received jesus has received the right to become the child of god have you received jesus then you have received the spirit of sonship you received the spirit of sonship so 
your software has been reformatted but this one over here this this thing is still stuck there so this mind needs to be trained to your new identity that you're not a slave you're a son and when i say son it is gender neutral okay son just means son 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 is gender neutral just like a slave is gender neutral you're not a slave you're a son now romans 8:14 says for all who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god so slaves are forced sons are led now i want you to make it practical not just in your relationship with god in your workplace if the boss is always giving you instructions forcing you to do something that means there's a slave mindset sons lead because they are led slaves listen to this slaves don't like instruction but they are obligated to obey instructions they don't have a choice that's why they don't like instructions but sons love the instruction of the father for them instruction of the father is like honey sons love commandments of the father because they know that the father has said something this is for my benefit like jesus told peter take the boat out into the middle of the sea that instruction was exciting for peter because he knows the one who is speaking and he had the biggest miracle in his life one miracle that changed his entire financial status so when the father speaks to you the question is what do you look at do you look at it as ah oh, it's an instruction so hard or do you look at it wow the father spoke to me such a privilege it's an instruction such a privilege that the father told me to do something slaves are forced sons are led one one important test that you can do the life that you live are you living a life being led by the holy spirit or are you living a life being forced by your external circumstances oh i am forced to go to the office i am oh i oh man because my wife has been yapping at me nagging at me that's why i'm going to church are you living a life of obligation or are you living a life of intention you know how sons talk sons talk i want to pray i want to read the bible i want to go to church i want to tithe i want to give the best offering do you know how slaves talk i have to pray oh i have to read the bible oh i have to go to the church do you see the difference obligation intention both of them are doing the same activity at the end of the day both of them are praying both of them are reading the word both of them are going to the church but look at the motivation why they do what they do 
One, they do out of complete intentionality. I want to do this. Oh man, I am on fire for Jesus. I want to do this. I want to go to church. I want to get there any, you know, before anybody gets there. It's, it's like out of intention. Why? Because you're a son. Slaves. Okay, I'm forced. See, Jesus, you see, Jesus, he prayed intentionally. Jesus was the word who became flesh. And you see him constantly praying. He didn't pray out of obligation. Oh, that's what, yeah, oh, I need to pray. It's 10 p.m., I need to pray. No. He always looked for opportunities where he could separate himself and pray because he wanted to pray. His life was a life of intention. Am I making sense? His life was a life of intention. Now the thing is, when, when, when slaves are forced, when they are, ob when they are doing something out of obligation, they feel entitled. I came to the church, Parmeshwar to bless me, why are you not blessing Parmeshwar? Slaves feel entitled. Oh, because you did something, and that's not because you love doing it, you were obligated to do it, you feel the entitlement. You think that you are deserving to be blessed. But sons, they're not obligated. They do with intention and they feel honored. They feel honored. Oh man, it's my honor. It's my honor to worship God. It's my honor to be a part of a church. Do you see the mindset difference? One is a slave, the other one is a son. Ask yourself, are you living a life of intention or are you living a life of obligation? I have to go. What will people say? In English, most of our lives, especially in the Indian culture, we have destroyed our lives because we think about what other people will think. The question is, what does the father think? Live a life of intention, not live a life of obligation. Most of us invite other people, why? Because they invited us. We have to invite them for the wedding because they invited us for the wedding. They're so obligated, don't live a life of obligation. See, I'm hitting some right chords here. I get it. I know. I hear you. Live a life of intention. I want to do this. I love doing this. Next verse. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. When you received Jesus, you did not receive the spirit of slavery. So if you haven't received the spirit of slavery, why are you behaving like slaves? You have, the received, you have received the spirit of adoption. Now, what is the spirit of adoption? What does it mean? It says you have received the spirit of adoption as Sons, you have to understand something, all eyes on me. What you understand about adoption is not what this word is. 
in our Indian culture or in, in, in the normal culture of the word, the word adoption, what does it mean? It means that you adopted an orphan into your life. There was somebody who didn't have parents, so you adopted them into your life so that that person will have a family. It's an act of charity. This word adoption is not that it, it's, it's, it does not mean that. It's absolutely different. This word adoption means in their culture of the Roman and the Jewish culture, when a son would, would be matured, would come of age, right? The father, when he thinks that the son can take over his business or can take over the affairs of the family or can take over, you know, if, if they are a king or they are an elder or whatever responsibilities that they have, if the father thinks that the son is matured enough to take over his duties, the father will take the son. Now, I'll show you. The father will take the son into the town square. You know why the town square? Because it is in the town square where all the elders of the town sit and they make important decisions. Like how we have the panchayat, where all the elders come together, make important decisions. So in that culture, the father will take the son, he will take the son, and among all the elders, the father will say, I have adopted him as my son. What, he, what it means is, it's a Greek word, heothesia. What it means is, I present to you my son. I present to you my son. Now, there's a very powerful thing. What that means is, next time, next time the son walks in the town, he carries the same power and authority that the father has. Because next time he signs on a piece of paper, that signature is worth the same as the father has. That's the presentation of the son. So adoption is a cultural declaration. It was a cultural declaration in that time to tell them that, hey, from now on, he is going to take over my business affairs. So you, you rejecting him, you rejecting him is like rejecting me. So you better be careful. He's going to represent me. Thank you. That's adoption. Now listen to me. How did Jesus' ministry begin? He was baptized first. Right? When Jesus was baptized... As he came out of the water, God the Father said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, question, question. Wasn't Jesus God's beloved son already? Then why did he have to say that? Because it's the adoption. He is letting the people know. That his ministry is going to begin right now. So wherever he goes, he is going in my power and authority. I have given him my signing authority. If he signs on anything, it's like me signing it. Are you getting this? Now, 
when you receive the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? You are being reminded that you are God's children. You are God's child. There is an adoption that has happened over you where God is saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Oh man. So next time you walk in, in the alleys of your, of your apartments, you are representing the father who has presented you as his son. You have the same signing authority as the father. You have the same power and authority as the father. Hmm? Hallelujah. Do you understand the responsibility that is upon your shoulders? Your responsibility is to represent the father. What is your responsibility? To represent the father. Christian growth happens in stages. So you have the infant stage. How do you know this child is an infant? Because the child does not know how to speak. It's the infant stage. In the Greek, the word is nepios, infant. Then you have the child who is a toddler above two years old. In the Greek, the word is pedion. He is learning how to speak. The final stage of growth is huios, which means the son. The son is the one who can accurately represent the father. When he speaks, he speaks as if the father is speaking. So this verse which says, for all those who are led by the spirit are sons of God. The word over there is huyos. You want to grow in your maturity of your Christian life? You have to learn how to be led, not forced. You have to learn how to be led, not forced. I'll show you an example of an infant Christian and a matured Christian. An infant Christian will be, oh, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like doing this. What are they doing? They are letting the atmosphere decide what they want to do. Are you with me? They're letting the atmosphere decide what they want to do. Oh, I feel so unpeaceful. I don't feel the peace. Uh, Baby Christian is a sense Christian. Is always led by feelings. I feel this, I feel that. When I feel like praying, I'll pray. But you keep that same feeling Christian, you bring them back to a church that is burning in passion for fire for God, they'll be like, yes, this is a church. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, I love you. Why? Because it's the atmosphere. They're dependent on the external atmosphere to trigger them. But a matured Christian, a matured son, does not get influenced by the atmosphere. 
He influences the atmosphere. So he can step into a room. He can step into a room that has that is completely a room of prayerlessness. And he can, with intention, this is going to be the house of God. I'm going to pray. He can step into a room that has never experienced peace, has only experienced chaos and confusion. But the moment he steps into it, he's like, hmm, things are not right. I'll make it right. I speak peace right now in this place. I speak restoration right now in this place. Do you see the difference? A baby Christian and a mature Christian. A baby Christian will see the dark and be like, oh, it's so dark. The mature Christian will see the dark and we let there be light. A baby Christian will see the sickness and be like, oh, it's sick. It's bad. Everything is going, oh, it's going to be more painful. I don't know. Probably this person will die. The mature Christian will look at the same circumstance and say, I speak the healing of God. Be restored. Do you see the difference? A baby Christian is forced. A slave is forced. A son is led. Amen? Now, I want you to see something. Let's see the next verse. 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Now, slaves, what's, what brings them satisfaction? What satisfies a slave mindset is what they do. I'm a doctor, I'm an engineer, I'm a police officer, I'm a businessman, I'm a lawyer. What they do is what brings them satisfaction. For a son, who they are is what brings them satisfaction. So let me, let me help you understand. A slave identifies himself based on what they can do. A son ident identifies himself based on who he belongs to. How does the son identify himself? Whom he, with whom he belongs to. Now, the important thing you have to understand is, even before Jesus' ministry started, even before Jesus' ministry started, God already said, he is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Even before it started. A slave mindset will work hard, will strive, will try to do everything just to hear God say. But a son begins the ministry hearing that I am God's beloved. A slave mindset will begin praying, wanting to hear God say, I love you. Or somehow if I get through this two hours of prayer, I somehow I'll feel that God loves me. A son will begin praying, knowing that he is loved. Do you see the difference? A slave will do fasting and prayer just to have an assurance that he is in the perfect will of God. Or if he is not, then he'll twist the perfect will of God. A son begins the fasting knowing that he is in God's perfect will and that God's will for his life is good, perfect, and pleasing. Do you see the difference? 
That's why for slaves, they always need external circumstances to validate. A change in salary validates them. Increase in salary, wow. People tell them something, people appreciate them. So external circumstances is what validates them. For the son, it's the relationship with the father. You know, in John chapter 13, you see Jesus taking the most humbling role of serving his disciples. He takes off his outer garment, he puts on a towel and starts washing the feet of his disciples. That's the most humbling thing Jesus could do. Just think about it. The king of kings, the creator of cosmos, is washing the feet of his disciples. Don't you think it's the, it's the, most, it's the most act of humility that you can think of? Right? But you have to understand what was going in Jesus' mind before he did it. Okay, so read with me that passage. John chapter 13. John chapter 13 verse 3. This is just before Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. This is what he was thinking. John chapter 13 verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. So what does Jesus know? That the Father has given all things. Second, and that he has come from God and was going back to God. So there are three things, okay? The first thing is, he right now knows that the Father has given him all things. He's given him all things. So he has all the resources. He knows that he is the rightful heir. He has all things. The second thing that he knows is, he knows that he has come from God, meaning he is assured of his identity. He knows that he has come from God. Nothing is going to change that. And finally, he knows that he is going back to God. So his past, present, future, he's completely secured. He's secured about his past. He's secured about his present. He's secured about his future. Out of that security is him actually washing the feet of his disciples. You know why some of us have trouble serving other people? It's because we are insecure. It's sometimes, it's the position that we have that makes us feel, validate our identity. You can't expect me to do this. But Jesus, he knew that the Father has given him all things. He's coming from the Father and he's going back to the Father. He was so secured in his identity that he didn't care. Yeah, I can wash. I can wash. I'm the king of kings. I can wash. Do you know slaves are obligated to serve? Sons feel honored to serve. They're both doing the same thing. But the posture of the heart is so different. So what is a success? How would a success, how would a slave define their success? For slaves, it's a change in circumstances. That's why their prayer is also change in circumstances. Lord, give me a wife. 
find me a girl, find me a boy, change in circumstances, because I want to change my relationship status from being single to married. Or some of you, Lord, give me increase in my salary, increase my salary, oh Lord, I've been working so hard, increase my salary. Unless you don't have the increase in your salary, you don't consider that as success. A slave will always think about the change in circumstances as success for your life. But for a son, it's not the change of circumstances. For a son, it's the change that has happened within him. Within him. For a son, the successes have been transformed. Look where I was in the beginning of the year. Look where I am right now. God has transformed me. I don't think the same. I don't struggle the same. For me, that is success. For slave, what is the motivation? You know, slaves work. What is the motivation for slaves? The motivation for slaves is daily wages. Why do you work in your company? And I, and, and I can tell you, most of you work in your company because of the salary. You take the salary away, none of you will work. <laughs> Slaves work for daily wages. Sons work for vision. They don't care about daily wages. They work for vision. They see the vision of the father and they want to possess that same vision. That's why the reward for the slave is salary. The reward for the son is inheritance. And let me tell you, inheritance is much bigger than salary. You have to change your prayers. You've been praying for an increase of salary. Why don't you pray for inheritance? Inheritance, possessing inheritance. Lord, I want to possess inheritance. Inheritance. Inheritance is something that you just receive. You don't work for. You just receive. Receive. Slaves have no vision. They lack vision. They go from one need to another, another need. Especially in India, we have such a jugaad culture. We are always looking at, if a problem happens, I'll solve it. Problem focused. That's a slave. They're always problem focused. If a problem happens, I'll fix it. But sons are solution focused. Slaves are so problem focused that in every solution, they can find a problem. Sons are so solution-focused that they can find a solution for every problem. That's why slaves will always complain. My boss is bad, my job is bad, my office is bad, my colleague is bad. They're always complaining. Why they complain? Because they're so problem-focused. But the sons will always be solution-focused, so they'll always be hopeful. You put them anywhere. You put them in the middle of the desert, they'll build a palace. Why? Because they don't work on need. Am I helping you guys? Yes. Finally, sla slaves only serve to the extent that they are instructed. Because they lack vision. So you tell a slave to do something, they'll do that. They'll not go beyond. Because they lack vision. They're only working for money. Sons they'll produce. They not only serve, they produce. So if you tell a slave, can you please clean the church? 
they will clean the church. But if you tell a son to clean the church, he'll create a palace out of nothing. Do you see the difference? Because they'll go beyond what they have been told. Slave mindset, son mindset, and the best way to judge yourself if you're operating in slave and son mindset is your workplace. Best place. Because you can't be like, I'm a son at the church and I'm a slave at the office. You can't be like that. You're always a son or you're always a slave. You don't have dual personality. I'll pray for you. You don't. You only have one personality. You're either a slave or you're either a son. So in your office spaces, if you're working like a slave, that means you have a slave mindset. Do you, do you see how limiting your life is? Now, do you understand that you're living from one paycheck to another where God has so much of inheritance for you? Hallelujah. Now, I want to show you one line in that verse which the blessing guys don't like. It says... Romans 8 verse 17. We are fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Underline that. Suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Every time you suffer with Jesus, it's a promotion. Now what does the suffering mean? Suffering doesn't mean to Accept your circumstances as it is. No. Suffering is to push through. Push through. Say with me, push through. You know, once I came back home and I saw my credit card bill, it was high. That month's expenditure was high. And I was thinking about all the ways on how to solve this. How, how can I pay back? Then after some time, I just closed my eyes and I said, God, I know that you love me. Help me out. Tell me what's the wisdom. Don't want to go into details, but God provided for it. And he delivered me. The next time I had the same problem, I did not worry as I worried the first time. Why? Because the first suffering taught me to trust God. It has increased my capacity to withstand pressure. Every challenge increases your capacity to withstand pressure. David, he had to fight Goliath. And when he made a big noise about fighting Goliath, everybody was like shocked, but at the same time excited. So King Saul said, before you go to fight with him, you take my armor. Now, David, he took Saul's armor, but he couldn't walk in it. And then David says, I can't do this. He's fighting a skillful warrior who has known fighting his entire life. This Goliath has a javelin, he has a spear, he has a sword, he has a helmet, everything is covered. And he is being fought with this young shepherd boy who has a staff and a slingshot and some stones. Looks stupid. Why? Because 
there is not an armor ready for David right now. Saul's armor does not fit David. Do you know why Saul's armor does not fit David? Now, naturally, Saul's armor does not fit David because Saul is a very tall guy and David is a young shepherd boy. So, physically, their bodies don't match. That's why it doesn't fit him. That's the natural side. But I want to show you a spiritual side of it. When David fights Goliath, the Bible says that he hits him with a stone and Goliath falls down. David goes and picks up Goliath's own sword and cuts his head. The sword and Goliath's armor stays with David. Do you know why Saul's armor does not fit you? Do you know why? Because God has created a bigger armor for you. But it is after you face the challenge, after you pass the exam that you receive that armor. Soon after that, you don't see David fighting with slingshot. He's fighting with proper armor. So there's a season where God uses what you know to fight the battle. But the next season can only begin when you take, take the spoils of the battle that you've won. Most of us, the reason why we are still facing defeat is because the first battle we fought with slingshot and the next battle we think we'll again fight with slingshot. No! You fought the first battle with slingshot so that you can get the armor that fits you. Every challenge that you face is an opportunity for you to increase your capacity. That's why every suffering that you go through with Jesus is an opportunity for you to get upgraded. Be it sickness, be it financial difficulty. I want to challenge you right now. Any difficulty that you're going, going through right now is a door of upgrade for you. Go through it and you receive a huge armor. That's how a son will think. A slave will be like, God, please, kuch to kar do. remove this giant from me. That's... That's the language of a slave. But the son will look at an opportunity and be like, oh, I'm getting the king's daughter. I better kill this giant. A son will never flee away from a battle. Sons always love battles. Sons always love problems. Jesus loved problems. You know why? Every problem is an opportunity. So you're facing a problem, don't run away. Face it. It's an opportunity. It's a promotion. The difficult thing is to look at that problem and say, Mera promotion again. This is a this is my promotion. It's time of upgrade. That's the difficulty. But if you can learn to have the mindset of a son. See every problem and be like, this is an upgrade. This is not to put me down. This is an upgrade. It's a promotion. It's a promotion. Whatever problems you're facing, be it relational issues, be it emotional issues, be it financial issues, be it health issues, whatever problem that you're facing, it is an opportunity. Say with me, it's an opportunity. Hallelujah. In the Bible, 
anybody who had a problem of a barren womb and they've waited for years for a child, the Bible records that when that child was born, was born a champion. You've been waiting, waiting for years for something to happen. Don't give up. Don't give up. Why? A champion is being formed. A champion is being formed. Every problem is an opportunity. Don't get scared. A son looks at, an looks at a problem and sees an opportunity. A slave looks at a problem and runs away from it. Amen? Amen. Are you blessed? You have the spirit of sonship. All it requires is for this mind to be aligned to that spirit of sonship. Amen. Did that bless you? Live a life of intention. That's what I want to tell you guys. Live a life of intention. Don't just live a life where Monday to Friday you're going to an office and you're just thinking, Kaise bhi main apna samen kata I'm saying don't live a life like that. Don't work for money. Live an intentional life. Have a vision for your life. And God will reward you. Amen. I am a complete believer and a testament that God can provide for you from nothing. Your boss is not your source. Your company is not your source. God is your source. So if you live a life of intention and if you live a life full of vision, God will reward you. But you might be like, but I don't work in a company. For me to live a life of vision, I need to work in my garage. I'm telling you, even if you do something like that, when nobody sees you, when nobody gets to acknowledge your skills, but if you live a life of vision, working for your father, thinking about the bigger picture, God will open doors of opportunity for you. Amen? Now I'm telling to all those people who are working in your workplaces, if you're working for money, you're not working in the right space. If, if what you do is not bringing you joy, then ask the Lord, Lord, where can I work? Where I work from a place of vision, not from a place of daily wages. You're not in the right place. You should love what you do. Either you do what you love or you love what you do. You should love what you do. Not just live life. You're not a robot. Not just mechanically live life. Live a life of intention. Intention. I, can I tell you something? I love preaching. I love preaching. And you can put me 24-7, any day, give me four sessions, I'll be the happiest person. But I'll be so happy to preach God's word. And every word that I preach, I, it, it needn't be the same. I can bring in unique flavor because I love studying the word and I love sharing it with people. I love doing it. It, it, come up, it somehow brings me alive. Sunday, I'm the most alive person. I love it. And to, and to you know, calm down this energy, I need to play football, you know. Because I'm so alive. Your life should be a life full of energy, full of joy, full of 
you know, full of purpose and full of vision that you want to do this. If this is not what you want to do, you're in the wrong place, my friend. Get out. Get out. You, even if you are a janitor in a place, but the way you clean, you put your full heart and soul and you enjoy doing it, I'm telling you, you can become a millionaire. God can bless you. God can bless you. God is not waiting for the most educated people. God is waiting for people who can see vision. My people perish for lack of vision. And sadly, a lot of Christians don't have vision. They're just living life. Just living life. Living from paycheck to paycheck. And then finally, if they get to McDonald's, it's a big thing. Live a life of vision. Live a life of intention. Don't, you know, Jesus said something. Don't work for things that perishes. Don't work for clothes that perishes. Don't work for food that perishes. Work, work for things that are eternal. Eternal. Do you understand? Eternal. Because once it's said and gone, in heaven, nobody gets an applaud for, for, you know, all the sales things that you do. But they'll probably get an applaud if he did it with his whole heart and he enjoyed doing it and he brought glory to Jesus. Am I making sense? Live a life of intention. It comes from having a vision. Now here's the thing. This is where I want to leave. If you think you don't have a vision, partner with somebody who has a vision and make that your vision. If God hasn't given you a vision for your life, Find somebody who's a visionary and be like, hey, I want to partner with you. I want to believe with you. I want to see this come through in your life. That's why church has to be a place of visionaries. Even if you don't have your own visions, you can partner with the church vision. I believe, I believe what God is doing through this church for the kingdom. I believe that God has great plans and I want to give my all in. Here's my commitment. I believe in it. So if you don't have a vision, partner with somebody who has a vision. This church has a vision. Church has a vision. What you're seeing right now is not what you're going to see in five years. It's not what you're going to see in the next year. This church has a vision. But for you, you have to see that vision. The vision is big. The church is small right now, maybe small right now, but the vision is big. The vision cannot be contained in a vision is big. Do you see it? Do you see it? The best vision that you can partner is the vision of the kingdom. Jesus told his disciples just before he left, go out to the ends of the earth, make disciples of all nations. He just didn't say make disciples, make some disciples. He said make disciples of all nations. Every vision of the kingdom is to impact nations. It can start somewhere small. It can start in a very remote place where there's no communication. It's completely secluded. But every vision of the kingdom is to impact nations. You partner with that vision. And you see your life growing. Don't live like a slave because you have not received the spirit of slavery. You have been set free. 
I've heard this again and again. Oh, God has set me free. Why has He set you free from? What, what has He set you free from? Apart from sin, sickness and oppression, He has also given you the freedom to take responsibilities. Slaves don't take responsibilities. Sons take responsibilities. The greater the inheritance, greater is the responsibility. There's a responsibility upon your shoulder to see the kingdom of God happening on the earth. Will you say yes to that? Will you say yes to that? Because God's vision is not like Pastor Sam's vision. God's vision is huge. Can you see God's vision for the church? Can you see God's vision for the kingdom? Can you see God's vision for what He is doing across all the ministries in India? Can you see that? Can you partner with that? Can you say yes to that? Close your eyes. Let's close our eyes. You have no idea that your yes, your yes is so powerful. Your yes is so powerful. Your yes is so powerful. Will you say yes to the kingdom and the kingdom's vision? If you don't have any vision for your life, you don't know where God is calling you, what God is personally doing in and through your life, that's absolutely okay. Say yes to the vision of the kingdom. Say, Lord, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I don't want to live a life of obligation. I want to live a life of intention. I want to live a life of intention. 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 Change our minds today, O Lord. Change our mindset today, O Lord. We no longer want to operate like a slave. We want to operate like the son. The son. The Bible says, just like Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus, the perfect son of God, has made you perfect. You are perfect. You have been perfected. You have been perfected in sonship. You have been perfected. If there's anybody here who needs a dream in their life, just in your heart just say yes I need a dream I need a vision I need a purpose if that's who you are I see the desires of the kingdom birthing up fresh right now fresh 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 irrespective of your age irrespective of your background irrespective of the resources that you have, I see the desires of the kingdom birthing up right now. If that's who you are, you want to say yes to the kingdom, say, let it be done as per your word. Let it be done as per your word. Jesus, let it be done as per your word. His desires coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up. Out of streams, out of your belly shall flow streams of living waters. Out of the belly shall flow streams of living waters. Multiple streams, not just one stream. Multiple streams. Let it flow up. Let it flow up. Let it flow up. Just God only needs your availability. He only needs your availability. I want to say this to somebody today. Your availability is your promotion. Your availability is going to push you into your destiny. God only needs your availability. Will you say, Lord, I'm available? I'm available. 
I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. Rekhedi khadala ma khashi adala ma khasse de 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 de. I'm available. I'm available. Re de 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 de. Holy Spirit, dreams resurrect. Dreams resurrect. Dreams resurrect. Dreams resurrect. Rekhedi adala ma khashe de. Some of you have lost passion. I speak right now. Passion to be reignited in your life. Passion to be reignited. Passion to be reignited. Fresh hunger, fresh thirst for God's kingdom. Passion to be reignited. Come on. If that's who you are, just raise your hands. Passion to be reignited. Passion to be reignited. Passion for prayer. Passion for the word. Passion for His people. Passion for His kingdom. Passion to be reignited in the name of Jesus. Ah, like a fresh outpouring. Passion. 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 It begins like a spark. It begins like a spark, but becomes a wildfire. Passion. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, we worship you. Sing with me louder, open your mouths. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Can we all stand up on our own places and raise our hands? Hallelujah. Come on. Yes. Oh. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
of the kingdom and say yes let it be done according to your word like many said let it be done according to your word let it be done according to your word let it be done according to your word yes the birth kingdom desires birth kingdom desires kingdom desires to think out of the box Call us your sons. Call us your sons. You considered us worthy to be called your sons. You consider us worthy to be called your children. be the same it will impact nations nations for the gospel oh the gospel of god's love oh it will be impacted ah it will make an impact across nations across the oceans across the deserts across continents impacting nations impacting nations father we say yes to that we say yes to that say yes to that you say yes to that i feel in my heart to just declare this that many there's there are many people who are going to go f- as missionaries from india and who are going to represent god's kingdom and live a life of the gospel and i pray oh lord 
I pray, I pray that this will become a confirmation in their hearts. If there's something that you're already speaking to them, I just pray, oh Lord, this will become a confirmation. Confirmation, confirmation. Let it rise up from the dead. Rise up from the dead. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.